You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 269 for today. Hosted by Dan Terry. What if instead of the devil, it's a 10-speed bicycle? And Joseph Wren. Sometimes you just got to be ridiculous. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you're here for today, but gone for tomorrow, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. I mean, I I came back. I I know a lot of people thought that I wasn't going to come back, but... I've got really bad Stockholm Syndrome, so here we are talking about a band. This is a band that we listened to, well, I don't know, a few weeks before I decided to go on a hiatus, and uh, I got in the middle of their discography, and I was like, I can't do this, and then I, I had to go. I had to, I had to go take care of you know my, my, my own issues. Too much metalcore for you, Dan? It was so much metalcore, and you know, normally I don't think that too much metalcore is a bad thing. In this case, I think I was just like, holy crap, man. I really wanted to listen to Archspire this week, but instead I had to listen to For Today. And that, like, you know, hurt my feelings on some basic fundamental level. But I appreciate everybody that reached out to make sure that I was actually doing okay. I was 100% actually doing okay. Doing great, actually. Uh, but I appreciate that you guys care enough to see how I'm doing. But uh, I am back. Let's go for another solid five years. <laughs> before I decide to have a mental uh, a mental conniption and not want to listen to any bands at all. The biggest question I got asked whenever I was gone was, oh, do you even listen to metal bands like while you're taking your vacation? The answer is yes. A lot of them. Constantly. Soundgarden, Texas in July, and Symphony X. How great were those dude. bands, dude? It's like yeah, you weren't I even mean- gone. <laughs> well, uh, the Soundgarden one was very entertaining. I liked that one. I liked the Symphony X. Um, I, I'm totally fine not listening to Texas in July, although I will say, because uh, I didn't get a chance to say this on the episode, but uh, whenever our band End of Destiny was on MySpace, we used to get messages all the time from Texas in July asking if they, if we were playing any shows in St. Louis and if they could get on those shows but by that point we were already pretty much done so uh no we didn't uh we didn't actually get to play with texas in july but you know life's full of missed opportunities we did play with uh bloodline calligraphy so you know hell yes there's some street cred right there um and you know shout out to all the bands that were at anvil festival i mean you know we were there we were rocking it out there's a whole video on youtube you can watch of us at anvil festival but anyway Speaking of Christian metalcore bands, we are jumping back into Ford today. Like I said, I started their discography a while back and uh, couldn't finish it. So the first time that's happened, it's like uh, music reviewer erectile dysfunction or something. I I just couldn't couldn't quite get it up for Ford today. I'm not sure I can leave that in the show. (laughs) I mean, after after a couple of tries, though, I was able to get where I needed to get with this band and uh to be honest with you not to spoil anything because i'm sure i mean people have been asking me for years yo what about for today you talked about all the other premier christian metalcore bands but you haven't talked about these guys why sleeping giant and no for today uh all of this will be answered within the episode but uh all i can say is i'm glad that i stuck with the band because it did start to get better They were one of the names that constantly got brought up during the conversation in the early 2010s about who's heaviest, who's got the best breakdowns. The answer is everybody has the same breakdown. So what is for today bringing to the party that the other bands are not? The answer is mostly nothing. (laughs) Oh, wow. Coming in hot. And I'm a fan of the music, don't get me wrong, but I don't have a surplus of these hardcore Christian metalcore breakdown bands. I just went and saw these guys at the show and it was fine. But when I came home, I was looking for riffs. I was looking for technical guitar playing. And I don't mean between the buried and me. I mean more like Symphony X because guitar players got to play riffs sometimes. When you're getting into this metalcore, it's about the open dirges with some dissonance, the breakdowns followed by a blazing melodic chorus. If that's what you're in for, and that's what everybody was in for in the early 2010s, for today has you 
covered. Eventually. Oh, you were talking about for today. I thought you were talking about Demon Hunter <laughs> with, the, with the with the with the clean choruses. Um, and quick amendum on the subject of Demon Hunter. Uh, I have decided after all this time, I was listening to some of their stuff on my break, and I have ultimately decided that I like Demon Hunter. I don't think that they're a great, like, um, amazing, innovative band, but I don't know about you, but I, I sometimes like music that's a little bit um, more sugar and a little bit less spice. But anyway, we'll talk about that on Demon Hunter Revisited. You, I remember that show, too, that you're talking about. Which one? Like, like it was Scream the Prayer Tour uh, with, uh, oh my god, what was it? It was 100th, uh, For Today, Sleeping Giant, Project 86, A Plea for Purging. You remember that show. Haste the Day, I think, was the was the final band that played. The, I think the Chariot may have been there. They may not have been there. I don't know. I've seen the Chariot so many times in that venue that uh, I might have it mixed up with another show. But yeah, I remember specifically For Today because they had a 30-minute set and the dude got up and had church for at least 15 minutes of it. Take some pointers from Tommy Green. If you're going to do that, write one long song and make that your sermon. At least right. the crowd is still engaged at that point, but it was a trope of the time. It's fine, whatever. It gave us a time to go get beers. Dude, do you remember when uh, we saw Sleeping Giant again and uh, Tommy had a, had a sore throat? He had the flu. Yeah, he had the flu. And if he was you just recall. out there. He was still out there doing it. And it was still a great show. And he's like, after the show, he's like, oh, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry it wasn't like, you know, 100% like you're used to. And we're like, we were we were 100% entertained. I, I don't know what the deal was. I got punched in the face by Andrew Schwab at that show with a microphone. Yeah, that was the one where he was standing right in front of me on the stage. And my eyes were like exact crotch level. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. It's what I get for knowing the words to the songs. Oh, you want the well, microphone? Pow! Well, before we start talking about getting hit in the face with microphones, I've got a little bit of feedback that I would like to read. Uh, I, I'm a little behind on my feedback. Joe had to sort of bring me back up to speed on a lot of the things that have been happening in the world of discography discussion. And uh, I'm going to start off with the negative one first. And uh, this is a comment that we got on our YouTube channel uh, about episode 88 of Discography Discussion, Cannibal Corpse. Uh, Jay Sandoval comes in and says, I disagree with a lot of this. You guys should really do fact checks before you do these. I came into this podcast open-minded, but the ignorance of not knowing who came from where. Example, you guys said Pat was in Malevolent Creation. He was not. Rob Barrett was. And you guys said Malevolent Creation is another great death metal band. But in that episode, all you did was shit on them. The disrespect towards the bands on this podcast is ridiculous. Not just this episode, but other episodes I've listened to already. All right. Well, number one, uh, and the only reason I'm being nitpicky about this is because I feel like you're also being uh, a little nitpicky. I apologize that I got a factoid wrong about what member of Cannibal Corpse was in Malevolent Creation. Furthermore, we did those we did those two episodes, Cannibal Corpse and Malevolent Creation, two years apart from one another. So at the time, I had not sat down for a week and listened to everything that Malevolent Creation had put out. The reason I said that they were a great death metal band was because as far as I knew, they were. I'd heard some good songs. They were rocking. And if you listen to that episode, uh, we actually had a lot of positive things to say about quite a few of the Malevolent Creation albums. Why am I why am I giving such a solid rebuttal? I just want people to know that this podcast is our opinion only. And if you disagree with our opinion, that is all part of the experience. Uh, we, we ask you guys to comment, give your opinions, things like that. Um, so always feel free to keep sending us comments. We're going to read them on the show. Even if you're telling us that we suck, we're probably going to think that's hilarious and we're going to we're going to repeat it anyway. But uh, to your point about getting the factoid about uh, Pat and Rob mixed up. I'm sorry about that. If anybody wants to know, uh, Rob Barrett was in Malevolent Creation, not Pat O'Brien. So there you go. We got a correction in there. Three years later, we're rocking. Uh, I, I did change a few of your words there because, you know, when you said I disagree with a lot of this, this, uh, and, and you made multiple grammatical spelling errors, um, which I'm choosing to, to ignore. Moving on to some other comments. 
Also on YouTube, we got a comment from Crazy Catman. Watch out for the Crazy Catman. This is in reference to episode 29, our original interview with Chad Kent. I can happily say we've now done two interviews with Chad Kent. <laughs> and uh, he says, I started playing drums in 97. My cousins were the worship team after church asked me if I had ever played drums. I said no. And they said, give them a try. Immediately, I started playing a simple groove, and that's how I got started. I was always intrigued by odd time signatures. The album, The Crash of 47, blew me away. Chad is by far extremely underrated. Now, that is a comment that I can agree with. Uh, Chad Kent might be the most underrated drummer ever. And, uh, you know, whenever we talked to Chad Kent and uh, Derek Pardo, Derek himself also said that it should be a rhyme that Chad Kent is not making a full-time living playing drums, which is also a statement I agree with. I couldn't agree more than you have already agreed with both of those statements. I've said it once, I'll say it a thousand times. Chad Kent, my favorite drummer. The Crashy 47, my favorite album. Still revisiting that record weekly. So what does that tell you about Adam Ship and the creative minds behind that music? No, it's not the most complex thing you've ever heard. No, it's not the most technically proficient. Oh, except for the drums. I was going to say, what, what I are you talking there? about? Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> I, was about to get, I was about to just turn turn my computer off, go upstairs, like forget it. If no you way. would like to see the result of musicians who love making music, putting their heads together and creating something not normal, you should be listening to Adam Ship. Go do it right now. And Derek said they're going to make new music, so... We've heard some of it. It's going to happen, guys. Have faith. I know I do. Well, speaking of Derek and Chad, in reference to the interview that we did on Discuss Metal with Derek Pardo and Chad Kent of Watership Down, that's right, that was intentional, uh, Firsted Lasted commented, don't know if Chad or Derek will ever read this, but I don't know how Derek could say the neighborhood was poor. I lived around the corner in a Section 8 house, and we had a half-circle driveway. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see the point. What's up, guys? <laughs> Glad to see you guys are alive. I remember a lot that was left out. The good old days. Sincerely, Neil. He also he also commented on his own comment, which is absolutely upper upper echelon YouTube commenting. Uh, and he goes, and Chad was always amazing. You would see him moving, but not the sticks hitting the drums and just angels singing coming out of it. And Derek has always been a super awesome dude. I can agree with that. I, I That interview with Derek Pardo is one of my favorites. The reason... It's one of my favorites is because I had a massive migraine through that entire interview and I wasn't totally sure that I was going to get through it. But Derek Pardo came in, came in hot, started talk, telling his whole story immediately. And two hours later, we were ready to go to bed. So hats off to Derek Pardo and Chad Kent for making that happen. Over on Patreon, we got a comment on our 30 Seconds to Mars episode by Lost Fiction. Says, even though this is a long time running episode, I'd love to hear a full-on episode about 30 Seconds to Mars. Maybe even with John Beatty, who I'm actually miss hearing. What, you mean you're Sony Walkman? Yeah, I, I, I'm missing... I miss, I miss John Beatty every day when I'm not talking, talking to him. It's always an experience and a half. Is this a good time to mention that Timu would like us to make a Trivium episode already, goddammit? Yeah, you, you know, you were telling me about that, and I'll be honest with you. There's not a specific reason why we haven't done a Trivium episode. We just haven't done it yet. But since we've been butchering your name for several years at this point, we're going to go ahead and throw one out to you. Can't give you an exact date, but we will start working on it. Well, before Dan and I turn on the time machine and get back to today, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion Podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Did you know there are five-star reviews on many 
podcast platforms, Dan. Yeah, I mean, if you want to leave a five-star review, leave a five-star review. We love reading them on the show. I mean, let's be honest. If you leave us a one-star review, we'll read that on the show, too. <laughs> so if you're if you're feeling trolly, just, just sit down underneath that bridge and write out your troll comment. We'll probably read it. That being said, if you say something disrespectful to us, do not expect us to be respectful back to you. Just a fair warning. That said, thank you guys so much for sharing the episodes and for leaving us reviews for us to read, for sending us emails, for sending us all that wonderful information that we need, stuff that we got wrong, stuff that we got right, bands that you want us to talk about on the show. We appreciate all that feedback, and it does factor in heavily to what we do. So uh, I appreciate each and every single one of you. And if you're one of our Patreon subscribers, I mean, that practically makes us family. Another thing that we're doing right now is we are looking for sponsorships for this podcast. We have have quite a few people that listen to this podcast. We know it. You know it. If you want to advertise on this podcast, send us an email at danandjoeshow at gmail.com and let us know what you're thinking, and we'll see what we can do for you for today. So, Dan, tell me and the listeners all about for today. All right, so here's the scoop on for today. This is an American Christian metalcore band, and this is not one of those bands where it's like, yeah, they, like they were on Solid State or whatever, so they're Christian, or they were on Face Down, so they're Christian. Uh, no, this is this this was like a sleeping giant. This is a band that is a full-on Christian ministry in the form of a metalcore band. These guys have been around since 2005. They come from Sioux City, Iowa, so right there, right in the heart of America. And I'm going to be honest, uh, they sound like a band that came out in 2005 from the heart of America. If you're looking for breakdowns, if you're looking for dissonance, if you're looking for hardcore, loud as fuck screams with a little bit of groove, For Today has you covered in all departments that are critical to the metalcore fan. It didn't start out 100% tropey, but it did get to the tropes because... If you're playing this style, you had about 10 years of everybody wanting the same breakdown on every single song, and these guys just cashed in. I know For Today is one of the biggest bands that gets talked about in this genre. I'm fine with that, but for me, it just sounds like metalcore, and that's what I signed up for, right? Well, I mean, it sounds like metalcore because that's what it is. And I'm not saying it like it's a bad thing. You guys know me. You know I love metalcore. I love talking about the ins and outs of it. And I think in that regard, for today, you know, is a band that definitely started off kind of rough. And I don't understand why they got as popular as they did based on the albums that made them popular or at least got their foot in the door to do bigger things, uh, which we're going to talk about here in a minute. But I think it's more than that, too. I think this was a time period, especially with Christian music, where, you know, metalcore is kind of the Christian music um, uh, center point. You know, like, there there aren't a whole lot of genres of music where 70% of the bands that are in it are Christian bands. And if you've been reading between the lines the whole time we've been doing the show, you look at you look at bands like Zayo and Living Sacrifice, and you think of all the people that grew up listening to those bands, and they were so enraptured with how good the music was and how high quality the music was and how extreme it was. But then it also had those Christian lyrics inspired, you know, an entire generation of youth group kids to want to get together and do the same thing. And that's how you get sort of this newer this newer generation of Christian metalcore bands that have slicker production, they get better opportunities because now venues know that they can sell out a packed out venue just for having three Christian bands play and all the kids are going to show up. Yeah, they're not going to buy drinks. So you want to charge them a little bit more at the door, right? And they did. And they did 100%. And I also think that with a band like For Today, I think what makes them unique is the ministry aspect because even though I say that there's a lot of Christian metalcore bands, there aren't a lot of Christian metalcore bands like For Today in the sense of their attitude and their focus on ministry and, and actually preaching from the stage, which is something that, you know, youth group kids eat up like lucky charms because their parents probably weren't cool with the fact that they're going to go hear this like loud 
you know, evil sounding band to play. But then, you know, yeah, but he got up on stage and talked about Jesus and a whole bunch of people, you know, prayed with the band after the show. And I'm not discrediting that. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. That as actually the archetype that I think a lot of conservative religious people want from a band. You know, and we've seen this in the past before. We saw it with Sleeping Giant. We saw it with Mortification, uh, more notably, you know. So to have this type of approach surprisingly makes them very unique. And I think that this band's popularity came less from the overall quality of the music, especially the older albums, and more to do with this band's live presence, the, the speaking from stage with authority, whether perceived or actually God-given authority is up for you to decide but i think i think the energetic live show with the positive message is really what brought people into what for today was doing and uh it's this is going to start off rough but i promise um you know if you get 30 minutes into this podcast which you're probably already at right now because this is my first episode back and i'm a little rambly but uh let's get into it this is what you guys came for let's let's talk about these records 2008 ecclesia Ecclesia just so happens to be the very first For Today album that I ever heard. Uh, And I heard or I saw a video for a song that they had called Agape. And that song like really, really pulled me in for a couple of reasons. Number one, Agape is a very like Christianese, Christian church kid sort of sort of term. And Joe and I uh, and even Buddy, who's been on the show a few times, used to go to a Christian music festival called Agape in the hopes of seeing a heavy band. We never did. The heaviest they got. <laughs> the heaviest they got was like Cutlass, I think, you know. Uh, but we did buy a lot of really cool, uh, like Solid State and Tooth and Nail records there. So, you know, you, you have that going for you. But this song Agape is fun because, like, I was really into Between the Buried and Me in 2008. I mean, I'm it's 2022. I'm still very much into Between the Buried and Me. But uh, so I was like, really obsessed at that time with that sort of like noodly arpeggio sort of thing that bands were starting to do because that was kind of how you separated the bands that were good players versus the bands that weren't even though like really an arpeggio is just like a warm-up scale you know you know more more than anything else i was gonna say Um, everybody that played guitar did it for still doing it actually (laughs) well yeah but like so i saw the song oh yeah i saw the video and i heard that and uh, i like the dude's deep growling vocals and i like the breakdowns and stuff it's very dan-esque it is a little bit like he and he mixes that those like higher pitched vocals with this like deep we will never lose sight of the goals you know it just gets very very deep very intense uh, and I was into that because I was like, oh, is this like a deathcore thing? It turns out that it's not really quite that, but he definitely had that vocal uh, sort sort of sound. Um, unfortunately, though, the song after that arpeggio and like the opening breakdowns and stuff, it's cool, but the song kind of is a little boring beyond that. But I, that didn't stop me. I had already bought the album. I, this is one of the few I bought on iTunes, actually. Give me those sweet 320 kilobyte uh, MP3s, right? <laughs> But uh, Ecclesia overall is it's a very by the book metalcore record, especially for the year it came out. And the riffing actually feels really, really, really metalcore, like firmly rooted in that 2008 metalcore sound. But then you've got these like deep, ultra guttural deathcore vocals that he only does sometimes. This record is mostly higher pitched, like raspy growling. And for some reason, it kind of grates on me after a while. Uh, I mean, I could listen to guys like Jimmy Ryan or Dan Wyant go go on forever doing this type of vocal style. And there's nothing wrong with what Maddie's doing here. It's just that, like, it's just a hair higher pitch than I like. And I'm being extremely nitpicky because overall, I prefer these vocals that he's doing over his gutturals um, because those gutturals, they do sound more comfortable for him. But they also sound like a little bit silly in places. I don't really know. I really know how to explain it. It's just that like, there's a lot of dead space going on on this record specifically, and the next one, uh, where like two seconds will go by with the band not doing anything, and then they'll kick into either the next part of the song or go into the breakdown. And to me, it sounds sloppy. Maybe it's an intentional choice. 
to be all like, yeah, we're going to pause here because they're not going to be expecting what's coming next. But for whatever reason, there's something about the production on this record that makes it sound not super energetic. And it was produced by Jamie King. So, like, I don't I don't totally understand that because usually his his production style, it all sounds very good. And this all sounds good, but the energy level, I feel like, is not there. I don't know if they were nervous uh, when they were recording it or, or what the deal was. But for whatever reason, that shines through on this record quite a bit. But there are still are some standout songs. You've got a higher standard is the best song on the album. Um, it's just it's it's very heartfelt. It's energetic. It's fun. It's in your face. Uh, I even like the instrumental track. It's really simple but super effective, and it shows that they're not afraid to be melodic whenever they need to be melodic, which is going to become a key factor in their sound a few records from now. And they even do throw some clean vocals in, but I mean I could kind of take those or leave those. They're just. They they exist and they're fine, but they don't they, they don't rock my world. Calling it par for the course metalcore in 2008 is extremely accurate. This is a time in music production where everybody figured out how to use those digital tools, and producers that had access to studio space were able to standardize that metalcore sound. And everything that I'm hearing. From a production standpoint, not just the technicality, but the tones of the guitar, it is stock 2008 to my ears. I don't know if everybody was using the same amps. They probably were, because this is when you could buy decent digital amps and take them to your show and sound exactly the same every single night. My point is, the record's fine, but I think all the components that make up metalcore... To me, I've heard done better. I'm going to hear this band do them better. So in 2008, I wasn't into this stock metalcore because it all did sound the same. And they were playing the same breakdown in Drop C. And they were arpeggiating leads, and that was their we're being melodic part now. And they had a vocalist who was shredding his voice. So it couldn't be more carbon copy to me. The record's fine, but you could hit shuffle on this one with a few other albums and you're not going to notice. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it is heartfelt. Like, it's the, the, I guess, and there's really no nice way to say this, but this is one of those records that perpetuates the stereotype about Christian music in the sense that it's just got Christian rock written all over it. Even the, even the, the clean melodic sections and songs sound like, they sound like praise, like praise and worship choruses. You know, and the vocal phrasings are weird, too. That's something that I really kind of hone in on when I'm listening to these bands. Like, how well do the vocals, like, really translate over the music? And uh, in early metalcore, this is more acceptable because they were still figuring it out. But by 2008, um, those could have been tightened up a little bit. And it's also, uh, unfortunately, a really telling sign that there's more dedication being put into the message itself than actually the music. And that is something that's going to plague this band for a little while longer. 2009 Portraits. Well, Joe, I hope you really liked the last record. I did. Uh, <laughs> Kinda. Um, Sounded like metalcore to me. This is, I mean... It's going to be different, lot, right? Uh, this, in a lot of ways, is pretty much the same record as the first one. Uh, it's a little bit shorter, which I was thankful for. Um... Melodies are darker, so like I just got done complaining about how on the last record, like, you know, even the melodic segments felt more praise and worship, not quite so metal. Here, they're kind of starting to get it. They're like, let's make this darker, you know, and they're going again for more of this like metalcore. I'm sorry, this more like deathcore sound, but there's still a metalcore band. It's just the vocals have kind of a deathcore vibe to them. And, um, he tries to go super, super deep on this one. It's mostly these death growls. And the vocal phrasings of the delivery, it's it's cleaned up a little bit. I don't know. Like this one, I, I give this one a little bit of an edge. I think it's maybe like a few percentage points better than the last record because of its brevity. Um, but like there's still too many metalcore tropes in it for it to be pure deathcore. That's not really a problem, except the band is you know, like they focus themselves in a darker direction. So I think they were trying to get there. They just 
they just couldn't quite, you know? Um, it definitely sounds more ominous. The pace of the songs is slower. There's still dead space, like, in between breakdowns and stuff, which is kind of a turnoff for me. Makes the record sound a little bit more tired. Um, and the very Christian lyrics are more distracting on this one than they were even on the last record. The last record had more, like, friendly Christian lyrics about, like, hope and love and all that stuff. This record literally starts off with dude getting up there going, repent or perish, you know? And I think, again, you know, I think a lot of youth group kids probably gave him high fives for saying that, but um, I don't know. It's not the approach that I would have taken uh, with it, which is fine. Nobody asked what approach I would take, but um, I don't know. I'll just let you guys decide how you feel about that. I just don't think that a turn or burn approach is the best method for converting new believers, uh, but that's just me. It's a snapshot of metalcore at that time. Yes, this album is a carbon copy of the previous. We just played the notes a little bit differently this time. I'm listening to the guitars. We're still doing the open C chunk chunk breakdown. We are still playing those groovy drums. And the lead guitarist, whatever he is doing, is probably arpeggiating. And we're layering everything together. Carbon Copy Metalcore 2009, I've heard it 10,000 times. It's one of those styles that just caught when it caught, and it would not let go for some time. This was the opposite of your dissonant, hardcore-influenced Metalcore. This was moving in the direction of Deathcore and just dropping the hammer. That was the point. It was more about the rhythm of the band playing together but even that wasn't 100% consistent all the time so I think what I'm trying to put together is you can't out sleeping giant sleeping giant (laughs) and you definitely can't out haste the day haste the day so what is this band doing right now I think they're doing what a lot of bands were doing that got way more popular than they may have should have too quickly I don't think that when these guys started playing music they thought they were going to get this you know they didn't think they were, you know, in, in a few years to have two albums out on Face Down and, you know, have toured and, and all of that. Um, I think they're just trying to find their footing. And, like, I actually think the songs on the first record are a little bit less tropey. And I think that's just the result of, like, I don't know, these songs had those songs had longer to cook than, than these songs did. Because, I mean, you got a 2008 release going right into a 2009 release that sounds markedly similar. You know, and I think it's hard. It's a hard pattern to break out of. Um, did I hate the album? I mean, I don't hate it. It's fine. There's nothing like technically wrong with it. But um, two songs stand out to me on this record. That is Emmanuel, the Redeemer, uh, which features Joe Mustin of Advent and also Beloved. And this is a very energetic song. Um, Joe brings a lot to it. Um, just we all know how 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 intense that dude's vocal delivery can be at times and uh, he did not disappoint on this song and then the other song was Isaiah the Willing which has a lot of cool melodies in it um, it's probably one of the mo- one of the catchiest songs on the record but overall I really didn't enjoy this one too too much let's get to 2010 Breaker for me this is where it starts this is the first album I heard This was a little less tropey, but did not skip on the metalcore ingredients. This album is like they took a time machine forward, listened to this episode, and then came back. And they're like, all right, we're going to fix everything that was supposedly wrong with the first two records. At this point, they are not trying to be a deathcore band. This is a good thing, because I don't think that they would have been a particularly good one had they gone into that. These guys are better by bringing in more of the hardcore influences. So now you've got uh, Maddie, their lead singer, is no longer doing his ultra guttural, you know, vocals, and he sticks to a more middle of the road sort of angry hardcore shout, which I think matches the band's sound so much better. Breaker absolutely blew me away. It was so good that whenever I first heard the first real song on the album, Devastator, 
I was like, oh my God, who is this band? This is awesome. I'm like super, super pumped right now. And then they're like, oh, it's for today. I'm like, no, it can't be for today. For today sucks. You know, like this is, there's no way. Uh, no. For today uh, wants to be between the buried and me sometimes. This can't be that. Right. Uh, this is, this is straight ahead hardcore. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of some of the more um, tough guy hardcore bands on Face Down Records. I really like stuff like NIV and Seventh Star and, you know, Death Star. You know, and, you know, like, I like that that really driving straight ahead hardcore sound. And they seem to have just taken that and ran with it with way better production than any of those bands that I mentioned. Um, this was this was a revelation. Um, they also start dealing with what I consider to be a much more serious subject matter. Uh, there are there are like small interludes sprinkled throughout the album with some spoken word that really puts you in the mood for what you're about to hear. And whether you're religious or not religious, it is hard to listen to this album without getting some sort of emotional response out of it. So this is the record where the band really blew up, and this is why Will Putney steps in behind the mic and all or behind the boards, and all of a sudden. You've got, you know, the next great heavy band. And uh, I would have never thought it before today, based on the first two records. Uh, they write songs on this record. They're metalcore songs. They still follow that formula. Do we still they're, have dissonance and breakdowns? Yes. It's for today. Yeah, they're following. I'm yeah, just they're saying. Following, they're following the path that a lot of bands had followed up to this point. But this was so much better in comparison to their previous output that you can't help but stop and take notice. There was a weird time in the late 2000s when everybody was arguing over the next five years. Was hardcore that sounded like Under Oath going to reinvigorate and the genre was going to be changed again and we were going to go back to that? Or was metalcore your kill switch engage? heavy metal thrash influenced metalcore was it going to break forward and continue or were we going to get something that felt more i don't want to say artificial metalcore but this is when people got obsessed with bass drops so if sleeping giants stacked up metalcore for the next or deathcore tough guy hardcore for the next five years Everybody grabbed a hold of it and knocked it down. So maybe the sound of metalcore is not those bands. Maybe it's just Will Putney. Could be Will Putney. I mean, this is, yeah, the the, the bass drops are real on this one. And uh, I love it, man. I think it sounds, I think it sounds fantastic. This sound, this is probably a better, like, recorded version of what this band sounds like live. And I'm all for it, man. The improvement in the vocals, the improvement in just the tightness of the band overall. You don't have that. You don't have those. Uh, you don't have that dead space in between songs or in between riffs. Even um, everything flows together really smoothly. It's 35 minutes in and out. I would challenge you to find another record that you're going to have as good a time with as you will with Breaker. And really, this record should have been called Breaker. It should have been called Breakthrough. Because this got the band off of Face Down and onto Razor and Tie. And this is when the band really started to take off. You couldn't look at a you could not look at a show flyer without seeing For Today somewhere on it. There's that logo again. There's that album cover again that probably has a clock on it. Or is that a church? Or is that some other type of steepled building? I don't know, but I know it's a For Today record. It's immortal. 2012. Shall we continue the <laughs> metalcore domination? I like the word domination. I'm going to go with that and say for today is the band that ruled this genre to most people. I feel like I listened to everybody but for today in 2012 because it didn't feel like it was coming down, but there were pieces of the next step in there the more artificial the modern metal tropes that i'm not a fan of all the time were sneaking their way in but at least for today was still playing their instruments 
and not going super insane with their layered melodic choruses. So at least if you're into the genre, even if you're on your way down, you're still present. It still feels like that genre that you love and have been listening to for the past five to ten years at this point. So, you know, it's really weird in 2012 to see a Christian metalcore album debut at number 15 on the Billboard 200. That should tell you something about how the genre was doing uh, at that time. And, like, Immortal is... Well, I mean, essentially, it is a more commercialized version of Breaker. It's everything that you liked about Breaker with the band sort of adding in elements that uh, maybe somebody that wasn't super into brutal metal might actually get into this style of music based on hearing this band. I think we usually call that a gateway band. But what I like about this is that they didn't just make an abrupt change. Because as we go on, For Today is going to get more and more melodic. But I think that they introduced those melodic elements, those clean choruses. They introduced that stuff at so- in sort of a layered fashion. To where you're going to get a little bit more singable songs on Immortal than you're going to have on, say, Breaker. You know, unless unless you're just a hardcore guy and you only, you know, want to sing along to the breakdowns. Trust me, I get it. I've been that guy. Um, but like Fearless, for instance, Fearless starts off starts off with the hook right off the top, and you go in about thirty seconds, boom, the breakdown hits, and you're back in devastor- devastator territory. Like this is not as good of an album opener as Devastator because what is? But this is <laughs> this is on par. It's good. If you liked the last album, you're gonna love this album. And that's not a slam on the band because we loved the last album. Um, where again, they're they're writing real songs. Uh, they're they're actually putting a lot of thought into their hooks, into their melodies. And you know, it's easy for a metalcore band to just stick to the formula. And but now they're actually mixing like metalcore with like more like metalcore tropes with hard rock tropes, and then kind of kind of mixing that in. That's the sweet spot, though, when you have the breakdowns and you have the heavy and you have the tough guy hardcore, but you're mixing it with interesting heavy metal choruses. It's something that I think every band should take notice of. If you want to be noticed, yes, you can just do the breakdowns and somebody will love you for that. But when everybody's doing the breakdowns, you got to go the other direction. What does this band do? They don't go full Howard Jones, but they head in that direction. Just put them a lot of chorus in, guys, and it'll be huge. And it was huge. And it laid the groundwork for more modern metal bands to just ride that chorus into oblivion i might not be a fan all the time but it's gonna work for them so i can't fault this band for doing the damn thing that works and is interesting the only thing that might put you off at this point and they've really avoided it is that this band is ministry focused you go see this band live you're not just going to get the songs that you like you're going to get a sermon you are going to get a sermon. That might be uh, the only thing that's going to put you off at this point in the discography. Well, and I think at this point they've reached almost sort of a demon le- demon hunter level of, of immunity where what they're playing is now mainstream enough to where people don't care. I mean, look at look at a band like Skillet. They're the biggest band, one of the biggest bands in the world, one of the biggest rock bands. And, uh, you know, a good majority of their listenership has no religious affiliation at all because people just like the songs. And so you've got for today on this record, basically dipping into that pool a little bit, but doing it, I think, in a very legitimate way. It doesn't sound like they're doing this to become more popular. It's just they are more popular. And now the next step is like, how do we get our songs played on Octane instead of just the extreme metal stations, right? Um, this this one had some really good songs though. Uh, like, um. Fearless, like I said, is actually really good. It's got a really good, a really good hook. It's a good album opener. Um, Stand Defiant sounds huge. I mean, like biggest breakdowns I've ever heard from this band. Um, to where like I could see them playing like in a baseball stadium or something, uh, and and that just ringing out everywhere. It just sounds huge. Thanks, Will Putney. 
Um, Under God features Tommy Green of Sleeping Giant, so it has to be a winner. It just has to be. Set Apart features Jake Lurz of August Burns Red, who is another band that was, Wait you a know, metalcore bands featuring other metalcore vocalists on their record? Okay, well, this okay, is the ultimate how, trope. How about this? Uh, how about how about the only name features Sonny Sandoval from POD? Mainstream and underground. That's what I'm talking about. Um, all of those guest appearances are great. If you're listening to the record just to hear those, like hear them, uh, they're they're loaded onto the B side of the album. They're they're great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this one was another home run uh, for four today. I think. I think they're really, really starting to get it, and uh, this record did nothing more uh, than propel them further uh, into the loving arms of sort of the mainstream Christian music community. I don't necessarily know if the mainstream loves for today, you know, um, just again because of that message. That's going to always hold you back. Um, but these guys definitely got a lot of clout when, you know, just 10 or 15 years prior, nobody would have taken a band like this seriously at all. Do you think they were helped by the popularity of Metalcore overall? And they were just the shining example that got the credit at the right time? Or do you think they are the standard bearers and everybody is just along for the ride? I think at this point, they are kind of the darlings of this kind of music. I mean, but then you got other bands too that were out around this time or just kind of starting out because you had you had August Burns Red at that point that had been around forever and were and were doing similar things to this, not exactly the same. I think they were a much more technical band than for today, but the sentiment is there. You've got metalcore that people that don't just like metal actually listen to. Like that that's where we're at now. Um I do want to mention that in between Immortal and the next album that we talk about, the band did put an EP out called Prevailer. No, I did not listen to it, and we're not talking about it on this episode. I just wanted to let everyone know that we did not forget that it exists. 2014, fight the silence. Well, Metalcore is a good way to fight silence. Just crank it up to 11, right? Just crank it up. Crank it up. Man, like, this is the point where these guys found a really, really, really good sound on Breaker, and they're running with it. They're changing it up a little bit here and there, but Breaker, Immortal, and Fight the Silence are basically just a trilogy of albums at this point that you can put on a playlist and listen to interchangeably, and you're going to have a great time. Roughly two-year gaps between these albums. Overall, you have five albums in the first ten years this band exists. Anyone that's listened to rock music or metal music and seen these bands on tour, you get the impression that they don't ever sleep. They don't ever stop. And that worries me. Is burnout going to be a thing? Or are we going to just keep writing more metalcore songs? And I think sometimes we just put everything on tape we've got and we go for it. If you're for today... You're in the right headspace. Even in 2014, you're going to write another metalcore song. And you said it best. This is just Breaker, only more Breaker. And not only is that what you want when you're a fan of metalcore, you want more metalcore. But if you're a fan of Four Today at this point, I don't want the Four Today that kind of thought they were doing a haste the day between the Buried and Me thing. I want the band that is just slaughtering the stage with decibels and bass drops and clean vocals sometimes a lot of clean vocals on fight the silence because there has to be you know and like i'm not the biggest fan of clean vocals in metalcore i think with a few exceptions they're largely unnecessary uh but in my mind too like you know no band should have ever you know put out any records after like the hammering process by living sacrifice right (laughs) and even that even that one had clean vocals on it so you know you you take what you can get. Uh, and I think this is a great record. And yeah, I'm not going to talk about it as in-depth as the previous ones because it is so similar to Immortal and Immortal is so similar to Breaker. Um, this is just for today doing what they do best, which is playing metalcore that is digestible for the masses while still keeping a steady dedication to heaviness. 
That's one thing that I loved about the rise of metalcore is that the bands didn't have to go soft to get popular. Some of them did, but for the most part, people don't care how like brutal you are as long as there is a hook that they can get behind on the song. Absolutely. And, and largely, it's not like these guys are going, these guys aren't going full demon hunter on us and just melodic chorus every single, you know, every, every 35 seconds, you know, you get Ryan Clark's nice, beautiful singing voice, you know, uh, coming through your speakers. And don't get me wrong, as I, I hinted to you before, I, I actually enjoy that too. Uh, that's fine. Um, but I like that these guys have stayed true to their sound since Breaker while still adding in elements that people are going to get behind and they're going to enjoy. You know, I'm not going to be one of those people that's upset that the band's more melodic than they used to be uh, because they have more fans and I found them first or whatever. You know, like that's not... There's so much positivity in what they're doing at this point. They're not doing repent or perish anymore. They're, you know, they're being open. They're being honest. They're being accepting and they're putting their message out for the world to hear in the most digestible way possible. On one hand, it's the template. It's everything that Metalcore was when Metalcore hit its peak. You can hate that. You can look for bands that do the opposite of that. Or you can see the writing on the wall. And when I listen to this record, it's like that game that came out six months before Nintendo decided the N64 is going to be the next big thing. The games that come out at the end of a system cycle are typically the best because the game makers have spent the most time with those systems and they know the tricks and they know what they need to do to take full advantage of that hardware. And I think Metalcore is one of those genres where everybody, once they got past the tropes of the past and they found the sweet spot and for today has that sweet spot it's got just enough heavy just enough melody the vocals are still tough guy hardcore onslaught but we make room for howard jones to show up right and do that beautiful baritone metal voice i mean howard jones isn't you know <laughs> he's not on the album but you know what i'm saying it's that yeah, voice. I don't think, it's that I, chorus. I don't think anybody did it as well as he did, but yeah. Uh, but when I listen to this band and I listen to this album, I see the over-the-top modern metal melodic layers coming. So for me, this is the nostalgic point where it still feels like the band could get up there and do this. I don't feel like you need a keyboard player to trigger some choruses yet. This still feels like it could be real. I think it sounds good. And I'm 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 gonna enjoy listening to it, and I'm not gonna lie. It, I have to be in a very specific mood to be listening to this type of metalcore. But when it works, it works. And and you know, at the at the top of this episode, I was like, I don't understand the hype. I don't understand how they got so big. Once I started getting into sort of these later albums by the band, I started realizing exactly why they got as big <laughs> as they did. And I mean, dude, they went about as far as you can go in that they went from Face Down Records to Razor and Tie, to putting out their final album on Nuclear Blast Records. Hey, Dan, were you uh, asleep just now? Um, yeah. Is, is everything okay? What do, what do you need? Yeah, it's fine. I just wanted to make sure you were asleep, because I'm going to need you to wake. What if I don't want to wake up? Or wait, do you mean you want me to wake up for being asleep, or are you talking about the album released by Four Today on October 2nd, 2015? I'm definitely talking about that album. You never believe that a band is going to put out their last album. This is the last album until today for this band. And they didn't change a damn thing. They just gave us more. Yeah, I mean, uh, some different production choices here and there. I mean, it's still Will Putney, so, you know. So it's heavy as fuck. It's nice. It's nice and brutal. It hits you in all the right spots. Um yeah, it's the same stuff they've been doing since Breaker. A little bit more mainstream rock mixed in with that Breaker heaviness. Um, the album kind of cop, kind of, kind of caps off everything the band has to offer musically: heavy riffs, big breakdowns, big choruses. Um, and, and like, I think if they would have put two more of these out, this would be a different episode. <laughs> you know, uh, in the sense that like, I'd be like, "All right, guys, what what else you guys got?" But 
there is something to be said about doing things that work, right? Like if you go and if you go work somewhere and at the end of your day you do something new and innovative or something that works really well for you and your boss gives you three times the amount of money they normally do, you're gonna keep doing that same thing. And keep in mind this band's goal hasn't ever been to be the greatest band to ever exist on the face of the earth. They're not here to reinvent the wheel. They're not here to here to change how we feel about music. They want to change how we feel about Jesus, right? That's the goal. And uh, that that's that's always been the goal. So mission accomplished as far as them getting that to as many ears as they possibly can. And um, yeah, I mean, I didn't go into this as a fan, uh, but I actually really enjoyed the band's output after Breaker because like they, they really figured out what they were trying to do. And it's a nice arc. You know, normally when we talk about bands on this show, the first two records are like the gold standard that we compare everything else to. This is a band that took a little bit longer to find their footing. It's it's a better hero's journey in that they started off weak and leveled up and they went out on top as as as, as high quality as they possibly could. I don't think you can say anything about this record. You haven't already said about Metalcore in general. Does it have the breakdowns? Yes, it does. Does it have the dissonant breakdowns? Yes, it does. Are there layers of heavy vocals and layers of melodic choruses? Yes, there is. You could make fun of it for being so carbon copy, but good metalcore, especially in 2015, no matter how cosmetically similar it is, you get away with it. And I think it comes down to the band and how they handle themselves during the show. It becomes more of a visual thing because fans of this style or fans of this podcast who listen to these bands as much as we do, you're just there for that 30-minute beatdown feeling. I make fun of hardcore dancing all the time because how did moshing get to that? My point is everybody is there to participate in the 30-minute onslaught, so it becomes a community thing, and I think that's what Metalcore is. At the end of the day, it's a community thing, and it happens to be that for today wants you to believe in Jesus. They're not unique in that, but they're one of the bands that you could be forgiven for not realizing it throughout the discography because they make the right decisions musically. You could listen to any of these albums, especially Breaker Forward, and I've said it many times, when you're listening to these albums, it's not a 60-minute epic. It's 30 minutes of your day. So it is its own playlist. I mentioned it on the Symphony X episode. It's your live show for the next year. What happens most of the time with these bands? They put the album out. They tour on it for six months. They tour on it for a year. They tour on it for a summer. They spend another year making the next album, and they go on tour again. So it's fine. It's It's their their job. job. They're making money. They're doing just fine, I hope. They're not around anymore, at least not today. Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah, I mean, this record had been out for almost a year, and then the band, band announced on their Facebook in 2016, like, all right, this last tour is going to be, this tour is going to be the last one. They played their final show on December 18th, 2016, with Silent Planet, O Sleeper, oh, Sleeper. Norma Jean, and Fit for a King. So you could go to a show and see Breaker and backbreaker in the same show yeah i mean technically you probably could (laughs) uh you know i mean if that is not the best final show for this band it is literally a full lineup of sure things. that's a stacked metalcore lineup of sure things we've literally talked about every single band that was on that on that was on that show on this podcast so you know shout out to the silent planet oh sleeper norma jean and fit for a king episodes (laughs) So if this is your first episode ever of listening to this podcast, go back and listen to those. Final thoughts on for today. Dan. I mean, I've said it all before at some point on this episode, but uh, this band really surprised me. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago when I first started, you know, starting to listen and do my buy the books, you know, album analysis for each record. 
Um, I found the other two records, the first two records, so intolerable that it made me not want to do the show for a few weeks. <laughs> you know, and uh, not even because they were bad. Like, not because, like, I'm like listening to it and I just want to puke out of every orifice or something. It's not, it's not like that. It's just that I was like, I don't know how many of these records I could listen to and just not have anything interesting to say about them. But this band, to their credit, worked very hard and they made a lot of really good decisions that turned them from being a band that was just, eh, they're okay for a Christian metalcore band, I guess, to, yeah, no, this is the Christian metalcore band that you need to go check out. If you're going to be the metalcore band that everybody talks about from 2008 through 2015, then your band is going to be for today. Because everyone talks about this band. And I can't fault the band for doing what worked. And what worked at the time was breakdowns, groove, a little bit of dissonance, and some melodic choruses. Give the band credit for having the right musicians and the right producer to give this band five to six years of genre defining. And that's and that's what this band does. They define the genre. They might not be your favorite band. They're not my favorite metalcore band, but they are here and they do have six albums that may define the genre for most people. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why for today is the band you could hear and still hear anytime anybody starts talking about metalcore. You want to follow the same path I did? Start with Breaker. And you'll know why this band is still talked about today. And I think everyone should be listening to for today. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is uh, still the same album of the week I had last week, Joe. But you weren't here last week. Oh, that's right. My bad. Anyway, uh, if you haven't ever checked this band out, they're called Archspire, and they are incredible, and they have an album called Bleed the Future, so you need to check that out. For me, it's Megadeth. The system has failed. Going, going, well, I guess it's not really old school Megadeth, but it kind of is, because, like, Megadeth's been around forever. <laughs> what do you do when the system fails? You just kick the chair, right? Kick the chair! Yep, 100%. like that record, too. It's fucking great. It is so good. Take us out, DFT. I just want to thank every single one of you guys that listens to this podcast. Even if you even if you hate it, thank you for listening to it anyway. Uh, it really makes my day knowing that you guys care enough about what we do uh, to, to listen to this show every week. And uh, mad props to Joe for keeping the train rolling in my absence and getting some awesome... Uh, you know, you know, just just getting some awesome guests on to come in and kind of do the thing that I do. It's good to have friends, and uh, it's good to have kind of this podcast family that we've carved out over the years with some of our favorite podcasters. Uh, you know, Matt Nas from the Roach Coach Podcast. Thank you very much, sir. Personally, uh, thanks to Brian Patton of As the Story Grows, and thank you so much to Brian and. JT from Talking Into Infinity. Um, you know, I was just talking to John the other day about uh, the Guns N' Roses episode because apparently he thinks that he didn't do a good job on that episode. Uh, and it's funny because I was like, oh, I was thinking the same thing because I was in peak burnout during that episode. <laughs> so I kind of just let John have the floor because he's like, oh, I was just yelling and shouting and giving strong opinions. And I was like, yeah, but dude, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, and, I, and I wasn't because I was just like, oh, God, I have to listen to another Guns N' Roses album. Hey, the people have they, spoken. They, you did a great job on that one. Yeah, I think you did. I think you did awesome. So uh, props props to all you guys for stepping in and helping out and, and keeping the show going. Thank you guys for the listeners for continuing to support us and, and, and everything that you do. A special shout out to our Patreon subscribers that we hang out with every single month. Um, you guys are you guys are most of the reasons why we make most of the decisions that we do and we appreciate your comments and we appreciate your feedback on how you feel about the show uh if you're a new listener to the show uh thank you so much for sticking around even during this outro segment i don't i don't normally do this this is this is usually more um this is usually more like i'm reading a script that i'm making up as i'm saying it uh, so 
Uh, thank you all so much. And, uh, you know, let's, let's go for another five years before, uh, before I tell Joe that, Oh man, I just don't know if I could do this this week. Uh, so thanks again. Uh, if you guys want to send us suggestions, you want to reach out to us. There's a couple of different ways you could do that. You can send us an email as always at Dan and Joe show gmail.com. You can join our discord server. Joel will have a link in the show notes. That'll take you to our discord server where we like to share memes. Joe and I jump in sometimes on the audio channels and we play games or we edit a podcast. We, we like hanging out with you guys and discord is the best place to hang out in my opinion. So, you know, definitely make sure you guys are doing that. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash discography discussion. Follow us on Instagram at discuss metal or Twitter at discuss metal. You know, hit us up on the DMs on those pages and ask whatever questions you got. Keep leaving those comments. Keep leaving those reviews. We are going to see you guys next time. And on that note, this has been episode 269 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash Discuss Metal. We have some sweet perks. It's actual digital currency. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. Sell, they won't let you out.